Welcome to the Bible Provocateur, and I'm your host, Jonathan Eubanks. Today I'm going to read from the passage, from a passage out of John chapter 6, and it goes like this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. With the cursory reading of this passage, it can be missed the significance of what our Lord is saying. And what he is saying goes so contrary to what so many people believe and communicate to others. And I'm talking about within the Christian Christian community. What Christians say, this goes contrary to. So we see here, Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And I will by no means cast them out. So first we need to look at this statement, all that the Father gives me. What does that mean? Jesus is talking about things from the divine perspective. And he says that all that the Father gives him will come to him. This means that there is a certain number of individuals whom God the Father has given to God the Son. And Jesus says that every one of those that the Father has given to him will come to him. So let's look at what this implies. This implies that there are many, in fact, the greater part of humanity, were not given to Christ by God the Father. The majority of mankind was not given to Christ by God the Father. God has never had an intent in saving every single human being without exception. Although he was intent on saving every single man and woman without distinction, without regard to their ethnicity or their nationality or their origins or their deeds. But there is definitely a specified elect number of people that God has carved out to save. And when he did that, he gave those people to Christ to save. 
Jesus says, all that the Father gives me. This also implies that God did not give every single person to Christ. He did not. The death of Christ was sufficient to save all of mankind, to save all of humanity. It was sufficient to do that. But it was not efficient in doing so because it was not intended to be efficient to save every single person or to say sufficient to save every single person. And there's a difference. See, one of the most hated doctrines of the, of the scriptures, particularly by those who claim to be Christian, is the doctrine of God's sovereignty in election. God the Father has chosen those to whom he wants to have inhabit the mansions of heaven. And only those whom the Father gave to Christ, only those has Christ sought to redeem by his death. And he accomplished that. And that is why it is called atonement. Atonement was a word made up by Tyndale in translating the scriptures into English. The word atonement in Greek, there was no corresponding word um, in English. So he made up the word atonement to reflect what the Greek word actually meant, which means at one, which is the root of atonement, atone or at one. When Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected from that grave, he made all those whom the Father had given him at one with God then. And every single one of those people whom Christ made at one with God who have ever been alive on earth are joined together in union with God the Father and the divine tribunal. Everyone who is alive today who put their faith in God through Jesus Christ, who are saved by grace through faith in him, all those people today who believe that were those who were given to Christ by God and all who are yet to be born again are also those who were already predestined to this to receive this adoption as sons of God through Christ our Savior. Jesus makes it very clear that the salvation of all of those whom God has given him will definitely happen. It is not optional. It is absolute and it is inevitable. And as long as the world continues to go on, as long as this globe continues to spin, it will be because there are souls that God has called out and given to Christ that are yet to be born again. And 
sometime after that last soul has been converted, then comes the end of the world where Christ will deliver up the kingdom that he is building right now today. He will offer it up to his father so that one, so that all will be all in him. Now, Jesus says, all that the father gives me will come to me. They will. As I said, it's not an option. They will come to him. They will exercise their will to come to, to Christ because God gave them to him. They will come. They will not consider coming. They will not contemplate coming. They will not ponder whether or not they will come. They will not weigh um, the, the idea or the ideologies that are designed to compel us to come to Christ. No, it says that these souls will come. There is no room for them not to. According to the text here, they will come to Christ. Now, if you're listening to this, you might be asking yourself, well, there are certain people that um, aren't going to go to heaven, obviously. There are people that are going to hell. So how do you explain that? Well, the answer is in the text. All Only those whom the Father gave to Christ will come. Everyone else who does not come to Christ, they do not come to Christ because they cannot. Because they cannot. All those who never come to faith in God through Jesus Christ, they don't come because they reason with themselves that it just didn't make any sense. The science doesn't line up or whatever reason they may have. The reason do, that they do not come is because God has not chosen those people to be his followers. He has not called them to be his warriors. They were not called to be enlisted into his service. They were left to their own devices. They were left to live by the law of God, which no man can do. Grace was not extended to them inwardly, although it was extended to all men outwardly. But there's an inward call that comes to those whom God has chosen for himself. Is it because there's anything in and of ourselves that is special that God has called believers to believe? No, certainly not. It is all according to God's purposes and election that he chose the people that he did, that he chose, that he has chosen. And the ones that he has chosen cannot resist that call when it comes. Christ, Christ affirms that when he calls, they shall respond in kind. They will respond in belief. It, are their wills controlled? No. They will choose God. They will love God. Why? Because God first chose them. They will love Christ because Christ first loved them. This is a hard saying. But, you know, you have lots of people out there. You know, you have many people out there who believe that we are foolish for what we believe. And you know what? We should agree with them. Because to believe this gospel 
on its face is foolish. And one reason why the, the gospel is foolishness is because of this very thing, which is that God has already determined who his people are before the world was even created. And yes, the world was created. So preaching is foolishness in this sense. God could have ended everything and just chose his people, but he did not choose to do it that way. And men have no right position or authority to second guess God on any level. He does whatever he so chooses when it comes to mankind. Because we are a vast cemetery of dead souls. And a dead soul has no will or desire or choice in anything. But God has carved out an elect number of people for himself. And Christ died on the cross for them and no more than those that the Father gave him. And he says, once again, and all of those whom the Father has given to Christ shall come to him. They will definitely come to him in 100% of everyone that God gave to Christ to save. Every single one of them, 100% will be saved. What you have to ask yourself now is, are you in that camp? Are you a believer? Do you believe what the scripture says, what Jesus says when he says that all that the Father gives me will come to me? Jesus goes on to say, the one who comes to me, I will, and by, I will by no means cast out. I will by no means cast out. This means that this person, these individuals who come to Christ because God gave them to him. Jesus says, I will by no means cast out, which means that when they come to faith in him, it is without repentance. In other words, once God Saves Once Christ saves, redeems his people that the Father gave to him, their salvation is as sure as this earth is spinning. They have it. They can never lose it. They can never die. And heaven will be their reward. And they will be brought there safely and without harm by the Holy Spirit of God. A lot of people aren't going to like this kind of message. But you see, we do not need to be upset and frustrated when our witness does not yield the results that we hope that it would, especially and particularly with people that we love. And I know that it is hard to restrain ourselves when those whom we love do not come to Christ. But when you look at things from God's perspective, everyone who does not come to Christ 
It is because they hate God. But this should not be a shock or a surprise to us. The whole word of God is written. It is written and it is preached. Designedly so to reach those whom God gave to Christ. Jesus didn't come here to do or to save any more than those lost souls which God gave him to come to earth to redeem, to bring back to his presence in heaven, to restore and to reconcile the relationship between man and God. And so this is really a tremendous bulwark for our faith to understand that if we believe it is because for some reason unknown to us that was rendered in the divine counsels of eternity past that we should be saved. We are special to God for reasons we don't know. And we have been reconciled to God for reasons we will understand when we leave here. So this should be a solid ground. This would be a solid foundation for the Christian heritage to continue to abide in Christ while we live, to endure this journey of faith and devotion and service to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he assures us that if we continue to endure, we shall be found to be those whom he said he would never cast out. And because he can never cast us out, it means that our faith can never fail. Our faith cannot fail, and it will not fail. God the Father has elected us to salvation and then turned us over to Christ for redemption. And then Christ, when his work has worked in us, the faith which is affected by the irresistible and efficacious call of the Holy Spirit, whereby we are able to embrace Christ as our Savior. It is then that we know that we were part of God's divine plan for salvation since time began. And for this, we should be excited, joyful, because this blessing that we have to believe is immeasurable with with inestimable value. And everyone was not given to it. Listen, this this whole teaching was already prefigured when God dealt with the nation of Israel, when God dealt with that ancient Israel Israelite nation. It was prefigured in that God chose them above all the other nations of the world to be recipients of his law, to be made acquainted with his mind. To start to understand the way God intends to redeem mankind. It was then that he entrusted with the with the promise of a coming Messiah to redeem a lost world. 
of men and women, sinners who could not come to faith and would not come to faith as a result of law keeping. The gospel did by grace what the law was unable to do, not because there was a fault or weakness in the law of God, because there wasn't. The law of God is perfect and holy and should be observed. But the law reveals to us how incapable we are to abide by it. It is we are incapable. So since all that is required to plunge us into an eternity of hell, all that is required is the smallest violation of the smallest law of God one time. And that would yield us an eternity of hell. No man goes to heaven because he's good by a standard that he manufactures for himself. We go to heaven and we avoid hell. We escape hell, salvation, because we put our faith in the one who was obedient to God, although tempted in every way we are, Christ remained obedient to him. And not only was his act, not only was his righteousness, the act of obedience to God's law, not only did Christ keep God's law perfectly, but by his death and resurrection, he imputed his righteousness. He imputed the fact that he kept God's law. That was imputed to our account as if we did it too, but we did. His righteousness was imputed to our account. Likewise, the wrath and judgment and justice that we deserve as a result of our sin, that was taken from us and imputed onto Christ. And so when our sins were put on Christ and then Christ died, our sin died with him. And then when he raised from that grave to the newness of life by, re by the resurrection, we too also raised to the newness of life by that very same resurrection. All that the Father has given to Christ shall be saved. No more, no less. They were the elect souls and Christ died for those people to save them and he shall see the result of his work completely and perfectly. Not one person that Christ came to save will perish, not one single one. May God bless his holy word. May God bless all of you. This is the Bible Provocateur, and I'm your host, Jonathan Eubanks, and I look forward to the next time. Thank you.